0: Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast, and I will fight to the death anyone who says different. Uh, My name is Chris Chafin.
1: My name is Caleb Shively. Uh,
0: Yes, that's exactly how you pronounce your name. You did a very good job.
1: (laughs) I added some extra grit into the last name to make it seem that it's not as white as it really is.
0: Trying to make a pearl with that last name, putting lots of grit in there. An artist, yeah. <laughs> so, hold on. Uh, welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Every episode on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk about two movies. One of them is old, one of them is new, but they're united, like us in this big capitalist system of, of America. Uh, what'd you say, Caleb?
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, we discuss it, uh, and sometimes we just throw our hands up at the end. I'll oh, just do this movie and make it obvious. But sometimes we do a little bit more granular Or sometimes we just do whatever the hell we want.
0: What the hell are you talking about, Caleb? (laughs) How we
1: choose movies, how we choose the pairings.
0: Oh, okay. I thought I honestly didn't know that. So that's good. Thank you for that extra information. That's really good. So this week on actually Best Choice Movies, we're talking about two films. Uh, They are the brand new Chloe Zhao film, Nomadland and the Albert Brooks 1985 movie Lost in America. Uh, which I think is by the way if I can just say right at the top Caleb totally picked the pairing this time. Sometimes we argue about it. Sometimes one of uh, sometimes I pick, but Caleb like did this 100% on his own and what a great pairing. I thought this was pure genius. You fucking rule Caleb. Like this was great.
1: <laughs> well, you gave me a card boyus to pick. I give you like a a list at first. Uh and you said, "Oh, just uh, you could pick." And I was like, "Um, I'm going to pick one of my favorite all-time movies here in (laughs) uh, Albert Brooks. I love Albert Brooks' movies. Uh, This was recently on uh, Criterion, so I watched a bunch of features. uh, And you can also look them up on YouTube. All the special features, Criterion does that, so you don't have to buy the actual DVD. Uh, But yeah, these are both living-on-the-road movies. Uh, Nomadland, she lives in a van in America. They are uh, living in a Winnebago. Albeit in Nomadland, she is more forced to, thanks to capitalism shutting down her factory while the other is they choose to in order to escape right. their own trappings of capitalism uh but uh no it is really fun i thank you for complimenting me but yeah the, just the disparity of uh you know a factory worker living this uh road life for all its hardships and they show the beauty versus you know uh lost america which is a yuppie couple instantly struggling with this life on the road yeah, yeah, and exactly. ultimately failing at it. And it's like a matter of perspectives where, you know, Nomadland, you're working hard for your right to live freely versus the feeling of being entitled to it in Lost America. Uh, it's that beauty of having your life be enough for you and the comedy of the dissatisfaction of your own comfortable life. Uh, I don't hmm. know. I just, I, it, like, it did hit me at first, but like, there is a huge difference in these movies, but they are both living on the road in America <laughs>
0: and they then the the parallels the way they play off each other is amazing it really is um because they're more similar than you might think yeah and uh and they are making kind of similar points in a lot of ways um sure. and I think it's interesting because it makes. Um, Nomadland look not quite as revolutionary by comparison because if you look at Lost in America it's like a lot of the same stuff and it's all it's dealt with obviously in a completely different way but I think maybe even it has stronger anti-capitalist things to say than Nomadland.
1: You know uh, it's that cynical Albert Brooks worldview. I think he might have done this a couple times uh, Real Life was his first movie where uh, like it was a parody of a PBS that first reality show. Oh, it's and like the like, first reality show. They... Right. But uh, what he did was like did that, but make it super cynical, which kind of like preceded like real world and the Kardashians being like, oh, uh, this is just a, a crew fucking up people's lives. And he called that, and that was almost film was 1981. Yeah, just uh, fucking and, so, up yeah. people's
0: lives and filming <laughs> it and calling it a TV show. You know, like
1: <laughs> yeah. So Albert Brooks is uh, just one of the most smart, intelligent filmmakers. Uh, I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, he Criterion did all of Richard. Well, Washington, I mean, I like, think he, he used really to is... not
0: get enough credit,
1: maybe, but like, yeah.
0: Well, I think this People thing we were has... talking about the Criterion thing, like this was yeah. a big deal. This was last year. They had this sh- couple of months where they were showcasing a bunch of Albert Brooks movies, and this is one of the ones that everybody was like tweeting about and talking about, Lost in America, as being like one of his all time classic movies. Um. And I actually didn't get to see it then because I didn't realize oh, how limited of a run it was on Criterion. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually limited. went to look for it, and then it was gone. It was gone already. Um, so I was really yeah. glad to have an excuse to watch it uh, this week. It was really great. Is that we but, are like yeah, in the intro? Uh, we are you know, like past. Nah. Should I? Uh, we're like past the introduction now, right? Like this is this is the second segment. Yeah, we're talking point. about.
1: But we set yeah. it up nicely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. 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 We, good. we I'm set it up very sure. nicely. Let's move move on to our. Our, 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 our meat and potatoes.
0: Oh, sure. Do you want to? Great. Let's do that. We should just get right into it, Caleb. Genius. This is genius stuff. Uh, so our first movie this week, the first movie this week is Chloe Zhao's Nomadland.
1: You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. I and they will sometimes call you Nomads. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No.
0: Nomadland is a new movie from Chloe Zhao. It's adapted from a 2017 nonfiction book of the same name. It's written by a journalist starring Francis McDormand and co-starring David Strathairn, kind of co-starring him. Uh, it's about people living on the margins of American society and economy. Um, so the movie's called Nomad Land. It's based on this book, Nomad it's a nonfiction book. Um, there is this real nomad movement, these people who have chosen to like drop out of society and live in these kind of like uh blue-collar uh burning man situations. I mean, not to make light of it, but it's like they live in they live out in the desert together in their vehicles and they do trade tips on how to, you know deal with your shit and how to get fresh water and all kinds of stuff. Um, The guy who's like the Timothy Leary of this dropout movement is called Bob Wells. He looks like Santa Claus. He's in the movie and he has kind of, uh, he's a real guy who really evangelizes about this stuff. Like he moved into his car in the 1990s and he started making YouTube videos about it in the very beginning of YouTube. And now he has made so much money doing it. I guess that he has two full-time assistants that like help him manage being Bob Wells. Um, But he's in the film, and there are also several other, like, real nomads uh, who are in the movie. I like this movie, Caleb. It was very emotional. It made both me and Catherine very sad, and it was very, you know, lyrical. I also kind of felt like it had some issues um, the more that I thought about it. Uh, What did you think about this movie?
1: Uh, It's a circular film with much wisdom and beauty, uh, places of refuge that tells the story of, yes, very certain way of life very specific way of living it does so with a lot of empathy and grace uh that just also means good filmmaking and it was one of those movies that i really really wish i saw in a theater in the sense that uh my wife kept uh talking out loud during it and uh, when that happens uh like uh sometimes it's fine like we're at home you talk but uh, I just, when I don't, when I don't want to talk, I just don't answer. <laughs> so like, she's talking to me, like waiting for me to answer and I'm like, I'm not going to answer it. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm doing busy. I'm busy watching this movie. Oh my God. Uh, but yeah. Can know, I tell
0: you, it's... I was watching a movie for a different podcast and Catherine literally stood up in front of the TV screen and started playing with the cat with one of the cat toys. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, and like talking to the cat while she was doing it. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll just watch this later. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that's the that's why I love going to theaters that it, you let that's a movie can wash over you more and this movie is Totally if you give yourself up to it, you could just totally get lost in it Like there's yeah, Chris was saying is so emotional in depth You can get lost you can also just like sit back and watch it. It's beautifully shot. There's uh, It's I think the way it's edited is really smart at Chloe's out edit herself. herself uh, It's like yeah. a series of moments like we're always moving forward and I love that they don't use title cards, too. It's like they're hopping around a lot of places. She's in a van. Uh, but they never use... It's dialogue. You have to pay attention to follow. And I love that. Uh, and it's a realness in all that beauty. And Nomadland does show how hard this life is, but also how rewarding this life can be. And in Francis McDormand and the casting of the real people, you could put yourself in this movie, like you can put yourself in Fern's shoes thats the character she plays. And really, as it is a movie set in 2020 and it's our modern times, not, I guess it's set in 2020, 2011 is the title card, I guess, but it's mm-hmm. uh, about a real town being erased. And it's about the real infrastructure in America and the economy that, uh, that supports how this things could happen. Like this could be a reality for maybe not necessarily us, but, but, like lots of people, people we right. know like i could i pictured like uh, my parents in a situation like this and that's like kind of like tri- trippy to like put people you know because like there's real people here you could and they show you like the very realities of how you could operate and function in this life which is cool uh but that's just only like, it's like post-apocalyptic
0: in a certain way right yeah, i yeah. mean yeah definitely especially it's something about them being in the desert right i mean it's like mad maxi and like they just seem to be very like beyond society <laughs> in a certain way, and yeah, I could sure. imagine. I was made me worried about my own parents too, and I was like, mm-hmm. "God, I mean, I guess I'm gonna have to like be taking care of them." I mean, you're lucky; your sister has to take care of them, but like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> lucked out there.
0: Yeah, um, I no, I feel like I interrupted you. Were, were you oh, still talking
1: uh, about? Uh, oh, we could. I was just gonna bounce to because that's like uh, I think only part of the movies it's like it's set up of this life of this li- way of living and it's cool and i learned about it and that's just like when it goes through all the real cast and the real people they cast Uh and that's like more of a like a working class solidarity lifestyle movie that's the way this movie starts like she works at amazon and builds a community with these people i mean i thought but it was
0: really like- interesting that they went out of their way to show a big sign that said amazon yeah. i was actually oh. really curious about that like do, do you know anything about that is uh, pre-
1: uh, probably why they didn't get bought by amazon <laughs> well no but i mean serious
0: not just that but it's like <laughs> yeah. you might think i don't know i mean i mean how would you even true. portray That's, that I in was- a movie i feel like amazon employs like a team of lawyers and communications people whose like job it is to stop that from happening
1: um i mean amazon is really one of the biggest like it's seasonal work she uses it for uh so yeah it makes sense that like they are like a big factory that works people to the bone so I thought it's like very true to life. I don't, I'm glad they got away with it. (laughs) Well, I guess
0: they do, but, but see, this is actually one of the things I want to talk about, about the movie in general, but it, it like assuming that they had to get Amazon's approval to have them in the movie. They do portray Amazon positively because she enjoys working at Amazon and she, she, every time they refer to it, she's like good money, good money. And like, Whenever yeah. she's like short of money, she'll say like, Oh, but I'm going back to Amazon soon. And um, so it is, it does come off positively in a certain way in the film. But this is, I think indicative of a, a this is on sort of like a meta textual level, but I guess it's like, it, it's the message of the film is giving you right. Is to watch it at first. Like you're saying, it's this like, uh, blue collar you know less than blue collar solidarity kind of thing where these people are helping each other and living together but like you know your uh, my your my first impulse on seeing it is you think like you know you see the amazon logo you see someone living in their van and you think like oh they're being exploited and all these people are being ground down mm-hmm. by modern capitalism and like this is going to be a story that's about like why capitalism is you know grinding all these people into dust but the more you watch the movie it's actually like it kind of portrays it as like these people want to be living this life especially the frances McDormand character who's fictional but it's yes, like yes. i think you were about to say the movies are going to a lot about her emotional journey but the movie is very explicit that she yeah, is yeah, living like, like this because she wants to be doing it and and it's almost like it's not oh, anti-capitalist yeah, explicit, it's yeah. like her life is her way of living like this is facilitated by this kind of gig worker, modern capitalism. Like she couldn't do it otherwise. You know what I mean? So in a way it's not anti anti-capitalist at all. It's like pro-capitalist, you know, I don't know. This is what I was thinking uh, about. after yeah, seeing the movie.
1: Yes. And yes. And no, but in the sense that, uh, capitalist feeds off of people. So it's like, they're using the system themselves. It's also like, I don't know. It's very much the perspective of these, uh, nomads is what I'll call them. Uh, like uh, a system that rejected them, and they're living this way to get back at the system. So it's like I don't know, parasite, par- 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 parasite, parasite in a way too. Uh, another great movie about uh, capitalism, um, right? But yeah, yeah like, yeah. But, but yeah, to get to the point we're both getting at is it does start off this way, but so as it focuses more on Fern, we get a movie that's now about leaving things behind and also what is and who is left behind right. uh, and that's more of like an emotional journey that really pays off and why like this could have been a documentary if not for the great francis mcdormand who optioned this movie bought the rights to this movie and because she saw something in it and she's amazing in this movie uh and she yeah, brings she's that really to really the good in the movie, emotional right. level uh yeah i I, th- I think this is like a slam dunk oscar and honestly i I know there's usually one or two movies a year that are like okay fine Oscars can have movies like I usually don't care about the Oscars because I but I do care about the Oscars because I'm an idiot but right. this is the movie that is a lock for a best picture not at least a nomination and definitely for Francis it's the thing that I'm going to be rooting for and hoping wins that you now that Paris can a I movie be I can is Oscar winning.
0: I but, so I. Agree. I'm not to interrupt anything you were saying about the capital. I mean, what do you think? Tell me more what you think about this movie's point of view on capitalism. Because like I was saying, at, at first blush, it seems very anti-capitalist, but I think the more you think about it, it's not.
1: They indict it as much as a system that rewards hard work and loyalty with struggle and like near destitution. Like right, the people know. like that when they got talk to these real people, like I assume this is their real stories to not always, uh, but I assume it's uh, like that a lot of the uh, real people they talk to talk about uh, having, like being ravaged by uh, like not having enough money Their savings. Yeah. Like their savings being
0: gone and like being dying, dying of cancer and they can't afford the medicine or whatever. Yeah. But I I get what you're saying. Is that actually what that woman says, Spanky? Does does she say she can't afford the medicine or she just says she's dying of cancer and she doesn't want to like be in a hospital. She just wants to be
1: traveling. Yeah. I think that that was the latter, but it might've been both. Yeah. But see, this Um, is what I'm talking
0: about again. It's not even saying like, Oh, it's I have so many medical bills and I can't, and I know it's her real life. But it's it's this interesting way where this movie isn't quite as anti-capitalist as you think it is it's like she's choosing to live on the road knowing that she's dying of cancer because she wants to like see the world whereas in a different movie it might be like I couldn't afford the medicine and so I have to go on the road you know sure
1: it is more about like we we're saying it is the choice in doing so I mean you know there's always capitalism because they are still in America if like if they really wanted to flee it they like go completely off the grid or to right, like Canada, yeah. the remote parts but like yeah they have to like still have to fund their life and uh it's cool to see who go go, go through all the jobs like the badlands was awesome uh yeah. he uh works at a beet farm at one point uh the
0: beet farm looks like like hellish right like it just sure, seemed yeah.
1: awful yeah I know, it's, it's like
0: night. It's like nighttime, and there are these gigantic mountains of beets. They look like potatoes. They're just yeah, covered in dirt, like and they're shoveling them like coal. And for, yeah, for some reason, they're doing it in the middle of the night. You know,
1: mm-hmm. it looks. Awful. But to get this, I got what you say about capitalism. It's not as cut and dry because, like, really, really, essentially, this movie is about these nomads, these free spirits, uh, and the way they handle their life and and they share and experience the beauty it offers, and it's amazing. There's transcendent movies where they just talk about living, and it's great. Uh, so, no land is a story that these people are telling, and it's like to each specific thing. Like maybe it's more about capitalism for certain people than it is the others who are like very much more off the grid. And even like you were saying, Bob Wells, uh, RV Santa, uh, he has an empire based off of this. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's a real YouTube channel. You could go and watch it now. I checked. It's very. His he has millions of
0: people everything. that watch his videos. Yeah, right, millions. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, and it is interesting because of the way it plays into this, like. I mean, and this is more of we're talking about lost in America, but like van life, right? Like that's like this whole movement for like sure, rich yeah. people, you know, Van. I mean, this is what yeah, they see, tried to do in lost in America. It's a hashtag
1: on Instagram. You could check out, uh, like yeah, I, I yeah, stumble boy. upon people like who who just live in their vans or just live months of the year through their van, just traveling the country. It's kind of cool. It's c- kind of beautiful, but also like people live this way all the time. And
0: uh, you as we see, it's a, a
1: lot harder than you actually think it is, especially in the colder climates or, uh, you know, there's a lot of shitting in a bucket type conversations <laughs> yeah, they have right. right off the back. They get into the shitting and the, shitting they, in the they, they they peel that scab off quick and they uh, make some jo- fun jokes about it too. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: like they they, they have, have a couple scenes that. that are like these kind of seminars they have at the nomad compound in in the desert where they they have each of them have this little like prepared speech they're giving with like a bunch of jokes about how to do various things you have to do. So yeah, the shitting in a bucket one is like. It's right near the beginning and it is very good. Uh, what so wait? Here's what I wanted to say too. So, right, having yeah. said that stuff about capitalism and what you're saying about possibly it being nominated for best picture. So this is another thing I would like to talk about. Um and, you know, um I maybe this is just me being old, right, Caleb? But I I I'm not I don't think movies that are like this genre of like poetic digital filmmaking, um You know, to me, this—I don't think any of these should ever win Best Picture because, like, in the strictest sense of the word, like, it is not the best picture. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't—it doesn't feel like a—it doesn't feel like a—it doesn't feel like a film to me. You know, it's like it's lyrical, visual poetry and video art, and um, (laughs) it's—but I don't think it's like a film. You know, and I—that's one of my criticisms of this movie is like, I—I don't—I didn't feel like it was being propelled forward in any way, or that it had like. I, was, I mean, I was emotionally invested in Frances McDormand by a certain point in the movie and what was happening to her and like, why won't she stay anywhere? But, But at the same time, I don't know. I didn't feel like it had the kind of like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. I know this is like not appropriate to say about this film, but it just, in a certain sense, it was like not going anywhere. It was just a bunch of vignettes. I mean, you can definitely tell it's based on a nonfiction book because it's just like, here's a bunch of stuff and it doesn't necessarily have like a narrative for a long time. And I know there's such a thing as non-narrative film and non-linear film. And I think that kind of thing can be amazing. But I think in this case, a lot of it is just like, here's various people doing various things, you know?
1: I think it, uh, like there's a circular nature to the film. Like it starts off and it ends in the same spot. Uh, I don't know. That's, so time is the propelling movement, if anything. And also just her, as we learn more about her grief, which is uh, the whole Frances McDermott of it. Like she is another propeller of this right. movie. Like she's uh, like. But like this emerges
0: this is like, pretty late in the film. Like the movie's like a tight hour and a half. I, I think the stuff they, emerges they, like in like minute 50 of the movie.
1: They sprinkle it out throughout the film and then like i don't know once you get to meet your family and uh even when she's like what is it on, on the working at the park and she uh, it's, like where she says what's the line uh they say like oh i see you're married like I, I well she she says she was married but he passed away like she's still clinging to it so they always like sprinkle it out and then they have like a big full-on emotional moment that just gets out it's again amazing acting but i don't know i i, I don't just—I don't know. Your argument is that art shouldn't win awards. I, I don't, don't know. know I'm just saying I'm, I'm old. old.
0: What I'm saying <laughs> to Caleb is like I—I I didn't get small. The pictures did. Like this is what I'm saying, you know. They used to make yeah, uh, real movies, Caleb, and now they make this garbage,
1: you know. No, man, they shoot. I don't think spies. it's garbage. I—I I don't it's think old. it's garbage.
0: Of course, it's a good movie. It's—it's it's a very, very good movie, and I was very glad to have watched it. But it's something about it to me just isn't cinema you know i don't oh, no, know very, i just
1: to say, uh to agree with you yeah that is very old in that like things are allowed you have to let things change to become and chloe zhao was a great yes. young director i was a big, big fan of the writer which uh was a big at the independent spirit awards which i always say is better than the oscars uh yeah and that used this movie came similar...
0: together at the independent spirit awards caleb did you see this is uh, yeah, where I Francis mcdormand yeah. met yeah. chloe yeah, zhao yeah. and like so,
1: you yeah talk about the writer for a sec it also uses uh, non-professional actors to propel uh, one main character so it's a character-driven story and quiet pastiches of america uh, a cowboy poetry if you will which just means like it's desolate areas shot very beautifully <laughs> uh but i love uh not used using non-professional actors it's i mean uh, me too I mean, what i love grand tradition, larry like clark and
0: uh, yeah. harmony kareem you know like
1: Oh, sure, sure. Uh, 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 Jia Zhang Zhe. Uh, there's a great cinematic tradition of it. Uh, Richard Linklater's Bernie uh, is a movie I almost suggest we should do. Uh, but yeah, they're just being and it lends an authenticity to it. It builds that authenticity. I think, the, like I said, the main Oscar for this should be to Frances McDormand, who is a lot of just reacting is acting in this movie. She has a lot of listening. And overall, her performance is just Next level, like the joys and sorrow yeah. and life stuff that's always there that any good performance has, but through that v- classic Francis McDorrit plays a rough character vibe, but then she like breaks it in a very I don't know graceful way that is just I can't describe. It's transcendent moments of life, you know, like. She's eating chili with this group and she's very grateful. Like She's gluing a plate together and she seems very self-satisfied. You know, shoveling beets. We've mentioned how much shitting there is. She shits violently in this movie. It's all done with like a certain... I thought she just shit
0: thing. normally. I didn't think she was shitting well, there's violently. That where, uh,
1: there's that one where she's cramped in her van. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm That was, I'm fine. That was just here. totally normal.
0: Totally normal. <laughs>
1: disposed here. I thought that was funny. Uh, uh, but it's ultimately like, her performance that brings the movie home. Like connecting this portrait of yeah, she's really good and that reason of why these people are nomads to begin with. Like it's, it's her complicated,
0: you know, her
1: husband yeah. passing starts this restlessness and then they just unfold that more. And it's, I don't know. It's just beautiful and heartbreaking. And I loved it. And uh, we could talk about, Though, uh, to criticize it a little bit for me is the worst stuff in this movie is the David Strather and love interest stuff.
0: Yeah. Like, so, why like, is that? You know, well,
1: know. It, it shows another perspective of uh, another person who cho- chose, a nomad life. And it does give another option for this movie. Right.
0: And it, it forces yeah. her to have an option of like yeah. stopping being a nomad. But but she it also, chooses... like,
1: yeah. And this movie does this a lot. It just also abandons that option for it. Like it presents it and goes away. So that movie is really, really smart. Like, um, I think I loved in this movie, uh, in this movie overall, if I, I would have suggested if we didn't already do it on the podcast, uh, a little bit of Wendy and Lucy. She kind
0: of well, reminded really, me of yeah, that a, a lot, especially of, the scene yeah. where her van breaks down and she has to get a well, space and she doesn't have enough money. And, oh,
1: especially the scene where uh, she finds a, a dog at the rest home and then uh, the, the trailer home or wherever she's staying, the park, whatever Trailer park. It. Yeah. Uh, and the rest lives, home. Say, no,
0: it's not her. She's not retired and...
1: That's a retirement home, The rest home yeah. is just for resting anyway oh, yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. Uh, they say oh yeah that guy just abandoned the dog here and so like there's a second like oh she can take this dog with her and then like leaves it one minute so yeah, she doesn't,
0: time, she doesn't take it
1: that was pretty good, it, I like that a lot Wendy and Lucy in one minute yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's the term I'm going to use now, abandoning the dog when a movie is not being sentimentally it's yeah called it's called not saving the, the cat, dog. it's
0: abandoning the dog, yeah
1: yeah <laughs> I thought, yeah, just really, really cool. Like, that's the, I don't know, the great end of this movie is uh, a lesson to learn. If you're going to choose a, a lifestyle such as she's choosing, you have to make sacrifice. You have to keep moving. You don't dwell on the past too much. And that's the best way to live. Van- so
0: I saw a criticism of this movie and I did not read the actual article, but I think I know what they're talking about based on what I read on on Twitter. And I think the idea generally was... Okay, the real people, the real nomads involved in the movie all have reasons for living the nomad lifestyle that are a lot like, like Bob Wells was going through a divorce, he couldn't afford rent on his apartment, so he moved into his car, and he hated living in his car at first, and then um, the other, one of the women is, like I said, is dying of cancer. Another woman, I think it was more of a hardship reason also that she was living uh, in her vehicle, right? but the invented fictional character is Frances McDormand who doesn't really she has like an emotional reason that she is living on the road but it's not like the same in the same way like american capitalism forced her to live on the road so one of the criticisms i've seen is why did they choose to do that in this movie like if if the real stories and the real people who are in the movie are all on the road because of these like terrible terrible hardship reasons that are 100% like the fault of american capitalism why is the fictional main character someone who doesn't have that issue and in fact wants to live on the road and has many opportunities to stop living on the road and which she doesn't take because she would much rather be doing it like i thought that was an interesting line of criticism it's of the movie. an
1: interesting line of criticism and it's fair uh it also allows you to uh not like the lead character like let her be gruff a little bit or just be uh unlikable protagonist which fair well that's that's allowed to happen in movies cuz she's a very charming person in general but yeah there the, the, there's a scene where she goes to her uh sister's house uh sister who's a little bit supporting her financially through through this hard time and uh yeah the sister says to her straight up like you don't see how this affects me like i, I look up to you and it sucks that you left i wish you were here uh and I thought I was like yeah that you, should, you could totally. Yeah. Do she's just rejecting a certain lifestyle and like her sister is well off and they do have like big barbecue and there's a really nice touch at the barbecue uh where she's indulgent i just love this little touch it's a tiny tiny thing uh like they're at this barbecue uh and they're making her her burger you, know, you want cheese on this yeah two slices two slices, <laughs> and then two slices of cheese. She said, double cheese please uh, i was like oh that's her indulgence is after getting like food and like saving up all this stuff she had two ones pieces of cheese on her and that
0: is what is so good about the movie as you keep saying caleb is Frances mcdormand like she's so good she's so good at creating this very restrained but like extremely real person oh yeah and she was just reacting so genuinely and she's in so many scenes with these real people these real nomads and she is being this character and uh and she's being so like open and like you're saying listening and it, she just seems so so genuine in in the film it, it's really really good acting
1: yeah yeah uh and maybe to the point of that criticism of her being why this person did that uh like he people have the reasons for doing lots of stuff uh she could you like who's to say that that's not a good enough reason too? You know? right exactly yeah <laughs> exactly
0: um i don't uh, know you got anything and- else you want to say about this movie
1: caleb No, I think we talked all about the capitalism, which was going to be my segue into the next movie, but it's fine enough because I could just say the word segue, and that's a good enough.
0: Yeah, so the second movie this week is 1985's Albert Brooks' Lost in America. This is David and Linda Howard. They're happily married. I want to have sex with you right here, right now, right here. And they're about to have a day. This is it. They'll remember the rest of their lives.
1: David, you're fired. Fired?! Oh, I'm fired.
0: Now, they're going to drop out.
1: We have to touch Indians. We have to see the mountains and the prairies and the whole rest of that song.
0: Set out to find the American dream.
1: Well, the movie you're basing your whole life on, Easy
0: Rider, they had no nest egg. They had a giant nest egg. They had all this cocaine. And wind up lost in America.
1: To America, look out. Here we come. (laughs) Lost in America, set in the Reagan 1980s and populated by Albert Brooks characters, which is to say, neurotic and oblivious to their own entitlement. David Howard and his wife, Linda, have an at-best strained relationship. Uh, disenchanted and stuck in a rut, the couple quit their jobs for a life on the open road, quote, dropping out of society, like David's favorite movie, Easy Rider with nothing but their nest egg and their new Winnebago, the couple journey off, not really remembering the ending of Easy Rider. Chris, let's get into it.
0: (laughs) Yes, let's get into it, Caleb. So yeah, we were talking about it a bunch in the sort of intro segment about how there was a lot of discourse around this movie recently, and uh, you said you did a bunch of research into it. I would love to hear. It was just a great film. Like you said, unconscious entitlement. I mean, it's interesting like you're saying mid eighties Reagan unconscious entitlement. And it's by the dad is Albert Brooks. Like he's not a dad, but he's the husband. Right. And it's interesting to think about it in terms of like national lampoons, vacation movies. Oh, like sure. it's, it's almost a similar kind of thing, but because yeah. Albert Brooks is doing it, it's a million times smarter. And it's making these amazing points about American society and like, you know, being a yuppie and getting older and blah, 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 blah. Whereas Christmas vacation is just like, Family's great, you know. I yeah,
1: you. less informed characters, more just like, oh, there's a, nothing to, so, like, those do good at the box office, where these movies did horrible at the box office, but have grown their cult success, and, <laughs> Exactly. they're much better for They're more timeless humor, other than a series of jokes. I do love Vacation, though, I'm not going to lie. Uh, uh, but, yeah, this is uh, Brooks's third, I, 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 John Candy's <laughs> Peak Cherry Chase, just dumb stuff. I like comedies. But this yeah. is a comedy. Like, we never do it's a comedy on the podcast.
0: It's a great like, comedy. It's really funny. Yeah,
1: like, We always just end up doing a joke recap, which we'll end up by doing here. But like, this is just I, so maybe much not, more like, we maybe talked not. about how deep this movie was about capitalism stuff. Yeah, but yeah, this was uh Albert Brooks's third film, and they're all great, uh, they're all of his films are great. Uh, and this is where he became more of a cleaner director. Like, his early work, like, uh, he was a stand up, he did sketches, he did uh hosted Tarrant Live a bunch. Uh, and like, real life was first movie, they were more comedic and joke centered, more of a parody uh the movie before this was modern romance and that shifted to more character driven uh, but here and the following film defending your life which is outstanding uh, he just nailed this neurotic empathetic but still boisterous and cynical uh character driven comedy and we're all great reader as a society because of it
0: yeah it's very interesting right i mean it's it's a funny comedy but it's also it's you know, it's a very interesting you know, kind of plot and the way it deals with capitalism. So it's basically like they're rich as hell. um, But, you know, there's still he's still like an employee somewhere. And his his wife uh, is the director of personnel at appears to be a mall. Is, 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 is that how it read to you? Yeah, Was it a mall?
1: Yeah, yeah. Is it store at a mall or something like that? Yeah, something like that.
0: Uh, and it's his wife's played by Julie Haggerty who's like amazing great. in this Julie movie yeah, what so a complex strange character that she has like you never see in a, in a film especially like a kind which what's kind of like a family comedy <laughs> and because basically I mean not to jump all over the place but like she gets to be the we- she's the weird one you know <laughs> which is
1: oh sure yeah I think uh, that's so like,
0: interesting that's never what happens you know
1: uh, to go a little bit chronological with This movie just to to because to, yeah I know the sorry workplace. I'm jumping but, around uh, no no that's fine uh, it's just a great movie uh, like movie starts off with this very establishing conversation uh, like first of all establish uh, the first shot is a sweeping shot of in their house they're packing up because they're big boxes and. A rex reed review place
0: it's not a and rex reed he- review it's a very caddy interview with rex yes, reed yeah. and rex I, reed I, I, is like talking all this shit like the interviewer is saying to him like rex like i can imagine you like do you like going to the movie theater or do you like going to these private screenings and he's like i don't need to be surrounded by all this f- these filthy yeah. people to like a movie <laughs> which is like so weird I,
1: say, uh, uh, I did slip in and say review because uh he reviewed uh, previous works movies horribly. So that's yeah. I like could Alverworks. assume
0: from this, like,
1: yes. <laughs> so, you know, that means they're a mark of a good movies at if Rex readers really doesn't like it. But anyway, uh, the, 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 the establishing conversation they have is about, they're moving to a bigger house and they're feeling insecure about it. Yes. <laughs> like they ask like, are we moving far enough? Is it, or should we go further? <laughs> it's just going like, to feel like the
0: same neighborhood. Yeah. I know, And it true. really
1: just establishes their, uh, reputation, uh, uh, their not reputation uh their relationship like david anticipates her frustrations with him like oh you think we're being too responsible you yeah. like, when he turns her, her words against hers and she's like being very apologetic about him being paranoid like oh i'm, I'm i said that to, i said i upset you i i didn't mean to upset you this a very good like oh cool like this, this is a, a very back and forth couple no kids uh
0: yeah. yeah and I a- think it does tell you a lot about their position in, you know, American capitalist society, too. I mean, look, Albert Brooks in this movie, he is in real life. He is exactly the same age I am now. And so basically, it's like I understood a lot of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it was very interesting to me. But it was basically like they're spending a bunch of money and selling their house in order to move to some like bigger house. And they're they're just kind of like okay, but why are we doing it? Like, we yeah, can yeah. afford it, I guess? Like, is that the only reason we're doing it? Like, what is the point of us doing this? I don't know
1: why they're doing it. Um,
0: yeah. it's just so court? interesting, and I thought it was so real, you know?
1: Uh, should we get a tennis court? We don't play tennis. If you have a court, you learn to play.
0: <laughs> I know. It's just, like, status anxiety stuff, you know? They're just yeah. like, well, he wants to seem more successful, you know? And
1: the scene ends with them, like, an overhead shot of them laying in bed, kind of panic about it. But it does, like go to this next another great scene maybe one of my favorite scenes in all of the albert brooks filmography is uh, david quitting uh which was first he's not again he's like he's their expected move he's both he's going in there he's getting a promotion right. he's assuming he's getting this big job uh he gets passed over for the job and it's a very long scene uh like again it's like another nice one shot getting in there uh almost like uh the shining where it's like oh he's God.
0: walking down the hallway and yeah. Yeah.
1: uh it's basically a giant set piece that's an argument and this is just I don't know Albert Brooks at his height like he's taking into account all the possibilities for humor like it does he goes from just stunned by it to a confused denial and he starts bargaining with him
0: (laughs) and the interesting thing too is like it's like his boss and this other guy who's in the room in the meeting they keep trying to say to him, like, like they don't even bring up this promotion he's talking about. They're trying to have a meeting where they're telling him he's going to get to do this amazing new project that's so important to the company. And like, can you believe we have this? And you're the most you're the most talented person here. You should definitely do this. But then he, like, self destructively and neurotically, is like, oh, but what about the vice president job? And they're like, what? No, who cares? Like, this other guy's doing it. He sucks. He he should be the vice My, president. And he's like, what do you mean? I want to, to be the, the vice president. You <laughs> know. <laughs>
1: very entitled to this job. Like, that's, I, I, I don't understand. It's been eight years. I, he's right. yeah. only been here two years. It's my job. It's, I was, I, there were promises. And uh, my favorite, it uh, uh, boils over into anger. He yells out, our hairpiece secret is off. It's <laughs> so funny. He, he doesn't forget to be very funny. Uh, but it's like a good 10 minute scene. That's the impetus for the movie. Uh, then he goes to his wife's job, which we and Chris talk to his wife about his wife's job for a second, then gets her to quit. I don't even know who to quit to. My boss isn't here. <laughs> uh but yeah let's uh get into the rest of the movie because uh they have a party and then you know they're off they get a winnebago they sell uh, everything uh, they
0: own they keep all the yeah. money i mean and they this is one thing off. i think too what made this movie very dated was like these people don't have any debt at all <laughs> none of them they don't have any <laughs> debt at, of any kind have
1: a very nice paying job i think it uh, what was it? He said, uh, "Oh, yeah, it's like a hundred thousand years." Hundred thousand dollars.
0: Hundred thousand dollars, and I did go to the inflation calculator. A hundred thousand dollars from nineteen eighty-five supposedly is like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars now. So, and that's just his salary. She has a salary yeah. too.
1: Yeah, they they plan it out. They get uh, the nest egg. It's a big thing. This movie is the nest egg they have saved up. Um, but yeah, they go. Uh, they uh, as they're going up, they decide to go to Las Vegas, and that's where the like they're having fun. Like they're on the road. Uh, they're really into their Winnebago David loves the uh, cheese sandwich he's eating. It's a good browning element, Good That's browning
0: in the microwave., <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but then they renew their vows and there's like starts the series of things of like,
0: well, they actually don't him, get around to renewing their vows. They're going oh, yeah. to renew their vows.
1: It's the, like little things they run into, where like they think they have everything planned out and worked out. Like him even just trying to get like a bridal suite he ends up getting a junior suite.
0: <laughs> junior suite, and it's just two little heart shaped beds that are smaller than regular beds. Uh, and they're like, he they're like going to take a bath, and she's like, "Oh, there's no bathtub. There's a very small heart shaped shower." That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny.
1: Um, but yeah, so not to recap. Jokes too much. We can talk about this because this is a movie we all should see. Go watch it if you. Haven't
0: Everybody see it. should see this movie, yeah. but wait, Caleb. Um, I mean, I want you, to yeah.
1: ask you something about this. So, this is a big part of the movie, uh, is that the rest of the movie after Vegas is they she gambles away their money. Right. Uh, it's funny and it's paranoid. And you talk talking about how Julie Haggerty is a very interesting character that's very unique in cinematic lore. Uh, you think there was a subconscious element to her gambling away the money?
0: You mean like for the character? Was there a subconscious yeah, yeah, like why? Yeah. Like,
1: like I don't know. Like
0: like she's never been movie. gambling before, and now they're you know gambling. Well, like a, well I guess like she a, says like, she says later on in the movie that like oh, you know, I'm under a lot of pressure too. And, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I've been living in this like straight jacketed life and now I'm free and I was at this casino and it's like I was up 100000 The man told me I was up $100,000. You don't understand. There were people around me cheering everywhere. And so then she it's... just kept gambling and gambled away all their money. Yeah.
1: There's like a thing earlier in the film where she talked about crying while picking out the new tiles, burnt orange or something I like that. Oh, this is uh, another thing like,
0: about the movie that's so eighties in the very early on. They're just, they're decorating things and buying cars and the colors they're sure to mention are burnt orange and Brown, which I was like, <laughs> yes, this movie was made in 1985.
1: Yes. hundred percent. Seventies were become cliche. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. what I think. But yeah, I also think like, uh, there was an element of like, they said they're doing easy right to drop out of society, but like, no, maybe she really wanted to drop out of society with no money, too. Right. Well, yeah, uh, she said it right, yeah. pretty fun. Come on. Twenty two. Twenty two. <laughs> let's go. It Twenty two. It's pretty silly. Uh, yeah. It's very, yeah.
0: If anything, yeah, he uh, takes it very well. I mean, the idea in the film is that she has gambled away something like fifty thousand dollars or a one hundred thousand dollars. Uh, is like completely crazy again w- remembering that a it's a quarter of a million dollars in today's money so like, yeah.
1: like he does have a husband who's like kind of selfish and doesn't notice her problems so that could play into it too but he does yeah he handles it well enough but he does berate her and angers her and I goes mean, she, she that did gamble she away
0: all their money i mean yes, you exactly. know like <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> he, uh it doesn't it, but uh and this is uh me doing research here uh He made sure that when he does, he's very mean-spirited to her. That's the whole nest egg speech. Right, yeah, The concept of the nest egg.
0: The egg is a protector like a god, and we sit under the nest egg,
1: and we are protected by it. Without it, no protection. Want me to go on? It pours rain. Hey, the rain drops on the egg and falls off the side. Without the egg, wet, it's over. But you didn't understand it, and that's why we're where I we are. I understood the nest egg. Oh, please do me a favor. Don't use the word. You may not use that word. It's off-limits to you. Only those in this house who understand nest egg may use it. And don't use any part of it, either. Don't use nest. Don't use egg. If you're out in the forest, you can point. The bird
0: lives in a round stick. And 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 you have things over easy with toast.
1: So, so you funny. don't
0: even side with him even though you yeah. obviously should side with him because of yeah. what she did but the way that he does it you're like oh he's being such a yeah,
1: dick you don't want the audience to totally, you know, totally hate her yeah. uh, but the, I, I am glossing over a very funny scene with the casino owner and it's played by Gary Marshall Gary oh Marshall, this is
0: so good the scene is great
1: perfect a perfect foil for Albert Brooks the neurotic Albert Brooks against this very stoic what are you talking about man Like Albert Brooks pitches to him, like, "Oh, just give us our money back."
0: It's great. So the idea is, like, she's gambled away all their money in the casino. He's wandered out of the room in his bathrobe, looking for her because he can't find her. So this is this scene is happening. Albert Brooks is in his bathrobe, and uh, Gary Marshall is like in a big '70s suit, and he has like a huge pinky ring on or something. And Albert Brooks is like, "Look, are you familiar with?" You know whatever the name of his agency is, he's like it's one of the top agencies in the world. So I just want you to know when I pitch you things, I'm not just some jerk off the street. Like I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then they proceed. Basically, he does actually. They do have like a real pitch meeting where he's trying to pitch him on the PR benefits of giving him his money back. And you know, I was like, eh, it's not a bad pitch. It's really, it's not a bad pitch. Like. He goes wrong in a couple places, but it's a really funny scene because Gary Marshall is just like they're just having a serious conversation about like how this would play out and you know how how well it would work and it's just so funny. And he's in his bathrobe the entire time, you know, which is great. <laughs>
1: which is great. Uh, so fucking great. Um, and I guess uh, just to not recap the whole movie, but you know, that's the, to get to the last third of it, to so uh, talk more about it in a removed level. Uh, they go end up uh, with, I don't know, like 800 bucks. So they have to actually, you know, fight for a living, live to keep living this lifestyle. Uh, they end up in Safford, Arizona, that, that small town. Uh, he's a ends up getting a job at a crossing guard. Uh, but yeah, there is that scene where he, uh, asks, he goes to the unemployment office and this is them encountering real America. This is why uh, I, I, I like wanted to make sure we talked about while they're here. They're like small town America, uh, he ends up being a crossing car, but then he gets a job at the, through the unemployment office. And he asks the unemployment office if there are any $100,000 jobs. And they're like, What are you talking about? So he's like, like, Maybe this.
0: something in your like, executive yeah. file. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like, I'll take anything. You don't have. Yeah. So, yeah. And she ends up working at Der Wiener Schnitzel. And it's Schnitzel. funny enough. Yeah. Because her man, like, we, I think that's the last straw in the movie for them is when. You know, she brings the manager back to their uh, to Winnebago. <laughs> he's like a teenager. Uh, he's like, "Oh, you're, she, she, you she. You got a good wife here." <laughs> just like so, like indignant, and like that's when they realize,
0: like, we can't do this Cat anymore.
1: Good yeah, for us. Yeah,
0: like this is actually awful. This is nothing. None. Nothing, nothing <laughs> about this is good.
1: So, really, just like so, they're in Arizona, and then that just quickly. And it's that, kind of another. Uh, Albert Brooks ism is that he ends his movies very quickly. Like, okay, cool. He doesn't drag out his ending. Like, that's. And it's pretty
0: great. It out. is pretty great. Because yeah. they, like you're saying, they're in Arizona. They have these whole jobs. They've made this whole life for each other. And yeah, it's like as soon as the manager walks out of the room, they're like, let's go to New York, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And then like it's a montage and they drive to New York and the movie is over. You know? Like,
1: like it's also funny to think of like uh, 99% of the movie is driving from air. LA to Arizona, one percent is driving <laughs> from Arizona to New York,
0: and they do take the time to show it, and they must have so, yeah. done it. They must have really done it or something, because they have all these shots of like different road signs. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah. they just put them up on the same overpass in LA <laughs> and just drove by them over and over. But like, yeah, it's pretty funny.
1: I, like, I don't know. as movies end abruptly? It's kind of like a shrug and like, oh, who gives a shit? Like there are like they don't they didn't learn a lesson here.
0: Exactly <laughs> Which right. Is,
1: like kind of like people don't learn lessons. It, it, like. Well, I think they did
0: learn a lesson. They learned a lesson. They had the idea that they they wanted to escape. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: they had the idea that they wanted to escape society, and then they did, and they were like, oh, this sucks. (laughs) Like, we actually didn't escape society. We're still in society. We just are in a shittier place in society.
1: Uh, Yeah, it deflates the drama and serves the humor. There's, like, a little epilogue of it that's funny enough. Uh, But, yeah, Lost in America is really about... I don't know if I'm saying this clearly, but the regret of capitalism and how they are slaves to capitalism and can't escape that. Uh, they can't drop out of society because they are kind of society in a way like they are so much ingrained.
0: Well, just society is uh, everywhere. You can't drop out. You know, I mean, I think yeah. this is a point that... Especially
1: if you're like in your Winnebago making cheese sandwiches and yeah, using I... money as much as they do.
0: Well, exactly. Like, I think I think this is a point that Nomadland is making too, but it doesn't. I don't think that it kind of makes up its mind, its mind to make it as explicitly as this movie does, where they're just like, actually, you can't escape society. You can just be in a worse place in society. So, like, you know, it sucks. Like, it doesn't really, that's it doesn't true, really yeah. matter. Um, but that's but that's the position so of all the know. nomads, right? It's like they think they have, they in some way they have dropped out of society, but of course they haven't because they still have jobs and they still live somewhere, and you know.
1: Yeah, that's the uh to each their own of it all, where like yeah. I don't know how it works for some people, but I, yeah, I, I necessarily I definitely could not see myself being a nomad. Or could I see myself uh I don't know, I was gonna say a super corporate job. My job's kinda corporate.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, I could see I could see doing it like if I was single, obviously, not with my family, you know.
1: Oh sure, yeah, if you uh, just had a wife, maybe. Yeah, if there I'm was just the two of you it.
0: and you just could live in your cool van, I mean, it would be really easy if you were, like, super rich. Like, that would be great, you know?
1: I guess that was the plan. That's the idea of the nest egg.
0: That is the idea of the nest egg. <laughs> like, you're super rich and you're, like, quote-unquote roughing it. But really, you can spend as much money as you want whenever you want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it is funny to think, like, oh, they were going to live this life, but then they went to Vegas right off the back, and that's where that Las Vegas is <laughs> the place. center of indulgence
0: um so caleb like let's say you had to pick one of these two movies do you know what i'm saying man and if you didn't pick one of them you were going to be ground into dust by late stage capitalism like which which one would you pick
1: it's so hard to pick between these movies uh absolutely impossible even maybe so i'm gonna do the cop-out answer of saying uh go see nomadland right now it's a important movie of our time it's on hulu I would it's say free no if you have Hulu, you right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm recommending you see that, but I'm like i I'm biased to Lost in America. Like it's, I spent too much time with it not to pick this movie, so I'm picking Lost in America, but I'm telling you to go see Nomadland.
0: <laughs> Interesting choice, Caleb. A very rare instance of you having a cop-out answer, um, but I do I admire like that. that it wasn't 100% a cop-out answer and you did pick one. Um, that yeah, is pretty but... ballsy. Um yeah, I mean, I also agree with you, I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, it is a movie of our time, definitely. It's it's actually interesting because uh, I guess it sh- they shot this movie in 2018, but it's only just come out for whatever reason. It
1: was supposed to come out uh, early, but uh, it got pandemic-delayed.
0: Pandemic-delayed, uh, okay.
1: It was supposed to come out much, much earlier. Uh, yeah. Like, in, be, like
0: last year sometime or something?
1: Uh, I think around... I guess it was supposed to be this Oscar year, but definitely in theaters around October or so. But yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've been waiting for it. I mentioned on it on our movies we missed segment of our year. end Oh podcast. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I mean, I also have to pick Lost in America. I mean, it's a, it's an absolute classic. It's a really really good movie. But again, yes, if you have if you subscribe to Hulu, like definitely watch Nomadland. It's free to you, and it is a very well done, interesting movie. And yeah, it made both me and my wife feel very emotional watching it. Um, but as far as like you know picking one like yeah lost in america and now that's only $1.99 to rent on Amazon so i think that's also well worth your $1.99 you know
1: definitely uh it's a comedy that just continues to hold up as as smart comedies tend to do like they not, like you mentioned re- reference uh, vacation that does like there's a lot of just of its time jokes that don't hold up because like oh wait i don't remember that technology but with a smart movie like Last in America*, Al Brooks is a brilliant, and also it's understated that he's brilliant in directing himself. Like he has a sense of a distinct sense of style uh, as a writer and a director with his writing partner Monica Johnson. I should mention her name. Mm. Uh, and but also in crafting his on-screen persona too, like he's directing himself. That's such an underrated thing that you like so much. A big job he has to do. It's uh,
0: hard. And, it's really easy to do a bad job because there's nobody to tell you you're doing a bad no, job, right. you know? Very
1: interesting shots. Like I mentioned, tracking shots. Uh, like, in their, They're doing road film stuff, too. That's hard to do. Uh, I think he's just... I always say he's one of the most underrated filmmakers. Like, he, I always reference him as like one of my favorite directors, but he's only has, like, what, five or so? Five, six movies under his belt? Is that and true, I, really? I, I didn't know that. He hasn't really made one since... I don't know that mother thinking, his like, mother guy, his last movie after mother uh it was more of a documentary uh searching for comedy in the muslim
0: oh god oh i don't even know less said that that,
1: really yeah for real uh yeah one of the greatest. i mentioned defending your life i don't know if that's my favorite or not but i love all his movies
0: yeah no he's a he's a he's a fantastic genius and i will say in this movie a good looking man he looks fantastic you know it's great shape like you know weird hair but it suits him so well you know it's great absolutely fantastic oh, um nice. that's the show for this week we did it everybody congratulations oh, caleb God. we did it we gave you a hooray <laughs> uh, goodbye us. yeah goodbye I didn't do that thing where I say we say actually best choice movies. <laughs> do you know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, eh, we We're allowed to skip. Do you it want to just do it now, and we'll just
0: edit were... it back in somewhere? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, okay, we'll do it now. That's all this week on actually best choice movies. movies. <laughs>